I want you to imagine for a moment that you've been given the task to deliver a message of great worth to others. Perhaps it was a good friend of yours who had a baby boy and they asked for you to call all of their close friends and tell them the good news. Maybe you're a nurse and you were given the opportunity to tell a patient that they're now cancer free. Or perhaps you were the one who was able to tell a, a mother that they had found their lost child. Or maybe it was to a family to say that they had a sizable inheritance. These are all the kinds of messages that any one of us would love to be able to deliver and would be honoured to deliver that kind of news. How much more so then the message that we have from Jesus that debts have been cancelled and that we have peace with God, that our sins are forgiven and that we've been given access to the one who created us. That's a powerful message. And it's different to the kind of message that some have to deliver at times when a loved one has passed away or when somebody's told that they only have two months to live or when uh, they, somebody finds out that their house is being repossessed. That's not the kind of message that anyone wants to deliver, but there are people who have to deliver those messages. Good or bad, the messenger becomes associated with the message they deliver. And that's where the saying comes, don't shoot the messenger. You might have heard of that before. But we who have the message of hope in Jesus, we have a powerful message. So much so that the writer of Isaiah or the prophet Isaiah says that those who deliver this message, even their feet are considered as beautiful for running the course to tell somebody else the good news. We find in Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation. I don't know about you, but my feet aren't really that beautiful. They're pretty ugly, actually. I've got two toes that cross over. Uh, all of my toes look like they're fingers. It's not really that pretty to look at. You wouldn't find it on a poster uh, in front of somebody's shop uh, to... Um, promote something in their store. My, my feet don't really count the distance for that. But uh, even the harshest critic would have to say, then when I deliver such a great uh, news that comes from Jesus, that even my feet are considered beautiful. Sadly, there are many in the church and many who call themselves Christians who are focused more on the feet on themselves than they are on the beauty of the message and they miss the whole impact the whole reward that's found in being the one who carries the good news people get focused on their feet I'm not good enough I don't uh, qualify um, I uh, don't know enough and they miss the whole point that it was never about the messenger it was always about the message over these next five weeks, I'm hoping that you will come to discover just how beautiful the message of Jesus actually is. I desire that you'd have an encounter with God over these five weeks. And I want to ask you to set your heart in the direction and set your, your uh, commitment towards God. Would you show me just how beautiful your message is and lead me to be one who runs with that message? I don't know about you, but when I first became a Christian, I 
was uh, really desiring to share the good news with other people. But really, in effect, I was actually sharing just news, not good news. I left the good part out because I really didn't understand just how beautiful the message of Jesus actually is. So today I want to take uh, you to a very familiar story uh, of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, but not such a familiar ending. And I want to pull out uh, of this story just Jesus' invitation to really count the cost of what it means to be a disciple. We find it in John chapter 13, and if you have your Bibles and you'll also see it up on the screen, uh, I would love for you to follow along with me. And this story begins really uh, just before Passover, when Jesus was about to be arrested. He was about to be uh, tried for things that he didn't do and murdered on a cross and buried. These were all about to happen, and we get an insight as to what Jesus thinks is most important this time. In the second half of verse 1, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world. He had his eyes fixed on the main prize. It was beyond the cross. It was a victory that was going to be found. It was the throne that God was going to give him. He had his eyes fixed on what was about to be purchased. This frames everything else in what happens next with washing his disciples' feet. And in fact, I would like to suggest that for you and I, the beauty of what Jesus has become in his glorified body, the victory that he's purchased, must frame everything else we do and the service that we're called in following Jesus together. And so Jesus, he puts on a, a, a towel around his waist. He takes off his outer garment. He takes a basin and, and pours water into it and he begins to wash his disciples feet one after the other until he gets to Peter and uh, Peter has a little bit of a, a pause which we'll get to in just a moment but I want to firstly tell you uh, what was going on in Jesus mind as he prepares to wash people's feet in verse 3 we get an inside understanding of what he was thinking Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. You see, Jesus knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. He was secure in who he was and it was from this basis that he actually served others. He was secure in the love of God. He was secure in knowing that uh, even after the cross, that he could count on God in the resurrection, that his power is greater. It's because of all these things, all of the gospel that he had in mind to uh, give himself to, that he was able to serve others. You see, many actually serve others out of a, I should do this, rather than a security in knowing that they're loved. And I want to suggest to you that the kind of cost of following Jesus that he has in mind for you can only be done by knowing that you are secure in the love of God, that you're secure in his provision for you, that you're secure in his care for you and that he knows every single need. That's where true service comes out of. When we serve out of insecurity, we're actually looking for others to validate us, uh, to reward us or uh, to promote us. 
And insecurity is a terrible master because no one can reward you the amount that you are hoping for them to reward you with. You must find your security in Father God. Well, well, when Jesus gets to Peter, and he's just washed a number of other disciples' feet, Peter says, Jesus, not me. Don't wash my feet. I should wash yours. You are the King of Kings. You are the Messiah. Uh, this is wrong. For you to serve me, I should be serving you. And uh, Peter refuses to be washed. And so Jesus responds in verse 7, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Again, Peter refuses to be washed. And Jesus replies with a little bit more detail in verse 8, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Uh, they would have no part because Jesus was illustrating the cost of discipleship. He was illustrating what he's calling us into. This is not just a model. This is an invitation into servanthood. This is an invitation into the cost of being a disciple. Eventually, Peter complies and uh, he even asks Jesus to wash him from head to toe instead. And I'm going to skip some of that story. You know that story to be quite familiar. But I want to jump forward to what Jesus says as the reason why he washed his disciples' feet. Verse 12 to 15. Do you, not, sorry, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And this is true. Jesus is the teacher and he is Lord. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So we call Jesus our Lord. We call him our teacher. But conversely, if we think about Jesus being our Lord and teacher, and if you uh, agree with me that he is your Lord and he is your teacher, then it means something about us. Uh, conversely, we can say, we then are the student. He's the teacher, we're the student or disciple or apprentice. If he's Lord, then we are his servant. A master has a servant. And so it means something about us, of who we are in this picture. If it's true of the master, if it's true of the Lord, if it's true of the teacher, and he models it for us, then the student must follow through. In fact, in verse 16, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. In other words, do what I do, uh, not just because I've modeled it, but because you are my student, you are my apprentice, you are my servant. I love, uh, in this last verse, I think many times we miss the punch behind this verse. Yes, he's talking about serving one another, but remember, he had the cross and also his resurrection in full view. Jesus did all of these things because he knew where he was going and where he'd come from. And he says right at the very back end of verse 16, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Yes, you're to serve one another. That's part of the cost of being a disciple. But he goes on to say that you're also a messenger. And it's not your message. It's a beautiful message that you didn't pay for. It's not one that you could actually make uh, come about, but Jesus was about to purchase it. And if he sends somebody with a message, it's not up to us to actually say, actually, I know better. I'll tell a different message or I won't tell it at all. Instead, if the messenger, sorry, if the, the king or the victor sends us, 
if our Lord sends us with a message, then we are to count the cost in going with that message. In David's day, way back in uh, the Old Testament, this is about a thousand years before Jesus, he was at war at a time where Absalom, his son, had rejected the throne, had rejected David, and went to war to be the king over Israel. And he warred against David. David ended up winning that war through his, uh, uh, through his commander, Joab, and they had victory. But it was a bittersweet victory because Absalom died in the midst of that war. He had the victory of war, but he had the loss of his son. And so uh, anytime there was a, uh, a victory uh, or even a loss, the commanding officer would send a messenger to the king to tell him uh, the victory or the loss as uh, either good news or bad news. This was bittersweet. They had good news as to a victory of battle, but then they had bad news that his son had passed away. And so he organized for a, a Cushite servant to run all the way back to uh, where the king was and to deliver the news. After the Cushite had gone, a, a guy by the name of Ahamaz, he says to Joab, I want to run. I desire to go and tell the king the news of our victory and also of Absalom. And I think in some ways uh, Ahamaz had the idea that uh, surely if he delivered the message well, that he would still receive the reward of victory. And so he reasons with Joab and we find in 2 Samuel chapter 18 verse 22 and 23, Ahamaz son of Zadok again said to Joab, come what may, please let me run behind the Cushite. But Joab replied, my son, why do you want to go? You don't have any news that will bring you a reward. He said, come what may, I want to run. So Joab said, run. Then Ahamaz ran by the way of the plain and he outran the Cushite. He got to David first and he delivered the news. He didn't get the reward that he was after. Here was a man who was begging for permission to run. I just want to pause on that for a moment. I wonder if there are people in our church, people who are believers, who are watching this service, who are begging to run. He didn't have the certainty that it was going to be rewarded. He had good and bad news. We have good news. How much more so should we be begging to run? There is a reward, but it may not be found with the person that you deliver it to. There's certainly joy when somebody gives their life to Christ and there's great reward in being a part of that. You didn't purchase the victory, you just were the messenger. But when it comes to delivering news, it's not always met with a, a, a kind response. But you know what? Your reward is found in heaven. Your reward is found in Christ by simply being the messenger. You are considered by having beautiful feet simply because you brought the good news. This good news is much more powerful. It's much more glorious than uh, what you might think. It's beautiful. And I believe if you knew the beauty, if we knew the beauty of the gospel message, the power that's behind it, the authority that goes with it, the uh, setting somebody free to, to be able to live their life uh, completely with a new start where the slate has been cleaned. Forgiveness of sin, restoration uh, over that person between them and God, peace found in their heart. If we understood just how beautiful that message was, 
then I'm convinced we'd have a lot of people asking, I want to run. So here's what I want to take you to today and to finish with. Let Jesus take care of your feet. You just deliver the message of victory. I want to invite you this morning to commit yourself over the next five weeks to asking God, would you reveal just how beautiful your message is? Would you help me to get my eyes off my feet, off my limitations, off what I can deliver? And would you help me to run with the beauty, the breadth, the authority, the power of your message? Would you excite me again for the things of your victory that is for others? Would you help me to see lost people the same way that you do? And so I want to pray for you that this would actually be a transformational time over the next five weeks. Uh, over the next five weeks, we get the opportunity to hear of those who have given themselves completely to run and to share the message with others. And I'm hoping that, just like Philippians 1.14 says, that you may dare to deliver the good news of Jesus Christ uh, without fear, that this would become something that switches around for you, that you'd find yourself wanting to run and wanting to deliver the great message. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for every single person who's viewing online right now. Lord God, I ask that you would uh, really lead them, Lord God, to have a revelation of how good you are, how much you love them, the peace that's found in you, the good news of restoration. Lord God, sins broken and forgiven. And so, Father God, I ask that you would raise up a church that has a heart for the lost and that is eager to run, that is eager to get their eyes off their feet and to get their eyes onto the message that is so beautiful. Lord God, would you glorify your message? Would you glorify your son in our church? In Jesus' name, amen. If you're watching online today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, then I want to encourage you that uh, don't let this day go by without receiving the one who loves you so much. He has already paid the victory. He loves you so much. He wants to give you peace with God, the one who created you. He knows what's best for you. And simply by believing in Jesus as the Son of God, the one who died for you and was resurrected, raised to life, uh, that life is available for you in Jesus' name and simply requires a response of repenting and believing in Jesus. Repent just simply means to turn around from the way that I was going, turn around from my thinking and to accept the good news of who Jesus is. And so if that's you, I just want to lead you in a, a quick prayer and I, I want to encourage you to make this personal for yourself. And it's just a simple prayer to say, God, I'm committing myself to you today through your son, Jesus. I want to be a part of your family. So if that's you, would you pray uh, in your own heart uh, to receive Jesus this morning? Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all the sin that I have done, any rebellion, things, Lord God, that I'm ashamed of of the past, and even things that uh, have bound me up. Lord, I give that all to you in Jesus' name. Uh, Lord God, I just recognize broken relationships, uh, people that I've let down, things that I've done in the past that have been never talked about with other people. And I give that to you right now. And I just declare that, Jesus, you are the Son of God. 
And when you died on the cross, you took all of that shame and you uh, took it with you and, and said, it is finished on the cross. It's completely dealt with. And so I give all of myself to Jesus to follow him as his disciple. And I want the life that he promised me, that abundant life through his Holy Spirit. I receive it now. And uh, Lord God, I declare that I want to be a follower of you for the rest of my life. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week this week and look forward to hearing the great stories of what God is doing in your life.